Where does inspiration come from? Uh, that question came up when I was talking about blogging a while back with a friend. Uh, I blog a few times a week at tradeshowguyblog.com and have been doing that consistently for years. I don't even know if it's the right thing to do or whatever the right thing to do when it comes to blogging. Some people like to blog every day. You know, look at Seth Godin. Other people like to blog every three months. Uh, I think of like uh, Scott Stratton, the unmarketing guy, and, and he believes that, you know, his, his blogging method of, uh, you know, every 90 days or every three months works for him, which it probably does. Uh, I did listen listen to a recent podcast from Seth Godin where he addressed the issue and he thinks it's important to ask, what is it for? So what is it for? Why are you doing it? Why do I blog? Well, frankly, there are a lot of reasons. Uh, but one reason that I don't use is that I think it can bring me business. That's not why I do it. It might, it might not. Maybe it has in the past. It might in the future, but I don't write posts or record podcasts or videos or post photographs so that something uh, someone will buy something from me. Uh, although if that happens, that's great. That's not why I'm doing it. No, I, I write, frankly, because I like to, um, because I need to, because I hope I have something helpful to offer, because it's good branding, because... I learn about things that I write about. If if you write about something that you're not sure of, you have to do a little research and you have to learn how to write. You can become a better writer. There's lots of good reasons to blog because it's worth doing without even any immediate reason to think it will get me something in return. Uh, I was at a networking group recently uh, that I go to once a month. And one of the things that came up was a, a book mentioned called The Go-Giver. Now, I had to look it up. Uh, I looked it up. It's by a guy named John David Mann. I have not read the book, but I kind of read the interest uh, int introduction to it and got a little sense of it. it. It looks to be about the idea that changing someone's focus, your focus, from getting to giving, putting others' interests first and continually adding value to their lives ultimately leads to unexpected returns. So you keep giving. So maybe that's another reason I, I do the blog. It's, it's giving. Maybe that's what I'm doing. Uh, not everybody gets it, and that's okay. I have enough people reach out to me over time to say they love the blog, uh, that there's a ton of useful information there, that they are sharing it, but not everybody, not even a lot. But but people tell me that. So even if a few people believe it's worthwhile enough that they get something good from it and they share it, that's good encouragement to help me keep doing it. It's good inspiration. Hello there. Uh, this is Tim Patterson, Trade Show Guy, and this is Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee for October 1st. 2018, already the first day of October. Ooh, last quarter of the year. When you're thinking about sales, got to get those sales up. Time to ramp up for the end of the year sprint if you're in sales and business. Uh, of course, we all know that the last three months of the year go by very deceptively fast. We've got, you know, uh, holidays in there. Thanksgiving takes up a few days. Christmas, people usually take time off around all that. A lot of companies actually closed down the last week of the year, and a lot of government agencies I used to work with over the years uh, would simply just not be there. Uh, they would tell their people just to be gone. <laughs> so so it's a shortened shortened time of making those sales and making business connections and completing the business that you have sold. So it'll be January 1st before we know it. And there you go. Uh, this week's guest on the video blog slash podcast is Jim Shellman. Glad to welcome him. General Manager at Classic Rental Solutions, our go-to group to handle our clients' exhibit rentals. Uh, and with all the changes in exhibit options over the past few years, what can be customized in rentals and all that sort of stuff, the cost of it, we thought it might be good to sit down with Jim and get his take on what's new 
and how you can view them through the budget lens and among other things. So here's how that conversation with Jim went. It's the Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee, and I want to welcome uh, Jim Shellman, General Manager at Classic Exhibits Rental Solutions. Jim, it's uh, great to see you this morning. Thank you for Thank spending you. some time. Great to Appreciate see you. Thank yeah. you. Uh, you know, I thought given the evolving nature of the uh, trade show world, we thought it might be worth checking in a little bit and uh, see what's new in the world of trade show rentals, which, you know, you're in charge of that. So I figured if anyone knows, right, you're going to know, right, Jim? I should by now. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's let's start with, uh, there's a lot of discussion that you see in the trade show world about should you rent, should you buy? What kind of things come to mind when you weigh those two from a from a client standpoint? What kind of things do you talk about? Well, that has changed so much over the years. Um, when I first started in this industry a long, long time ago, um, people would look at it like, how many shows do you do per year? And kind of make sense out of that. And uh, anymore, it's for so many different reasons. Um, it could be, um, it still could be budget reasons, but so much of it is for flexibility. Uh, people want to change up their design from show to show and, and not be locked into one specific thing. But, uh, you know, they do look at their show schedule and see how many shows they have. It could be for conflicting show um, dates and, and they have one show going on, a larger show, and then they have a smaller show going on someplace else. So it makes sense to rent in that situation. But anymore, it really is, you kind of have your rental type customer and your purchase customer. Yeah, I've and got a... I, I've got a client that, that does nothing but rent, but the, I think right. the main reason is that they have a very small uh, exhibit that they go out with a 10 by 10, and right. they're they're based in Manhattan. They have no place to store anything like that, and they want a nice exhibit, and so they're willing to spend uh, what it takes, even though, for instance, right now, they're, they're in the midst of doing back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back shows with the same exhibit. It's going to be out there for six or eight weeks, and then it'll right. come back, you know, so... Uh, but that is convenience for them and they want to show up. They basically hire us to uh, coordinate the shipping, the installation and dismantle. And so they just show up and do their thing right. and then walk away. So that's, and that's, that's what so many people want to do. They just yeah. want to show up. They don't want to necessarily store their exhibit and pay, you know, a staff member that may or may not have time to do that to, uh, right. to manage their exhibit and pay the storage and all that. So um, sometimes it just makes sense. It's a, it's a less hassle, uh, proposition to rent sometimes and and sometimes it makes sense to purchase it's just it's all across the yeah, board yeah. Right? it really has changed though over the years uh so uh how rentals compare right now how do they rent comparing cost to purchasing the same booth is there a rule of thumb anymore it used to be you know if you rented it two or three times you've paid for it is is that still pretty much in effect or, or how do you look at that um you know yeah it used to be you know, if you're going to go to sh three shows a year you might as well purchase um and, and now, really, I would say that uh, it, it really depends on what the size of the booth is and how much storage is involved and all those factors. But as far as just the initial purchase versus renting, it can be anywhere from 35% of a retail purchase value to up to 50, 60%, depending on how custom it is. Yeah. Well, let's talk about customization. I know that customization is a lot more in play in the rental world than it used to be. What kind of things do you, do you end up customizing in a, in a rental booth other than just a graphic, which you need to dress it up anyway? What kind of things do you do? Well, really with the way designs are today, there's so much um, fabric 
that covers the entire fabric graphics that cover the entire exhibit that um, you really wouldn't necessarily know if it's a purchase or a rental for the main structure. Like you might have a tower in the middle and kiosks and different things. So customization would come really with um, counters and uh, workstations and, and those types of things. Uh, charging stations are really common, but um, really, uh, you can sprinkle in a few custom components and make your whole booth look like a custom purchased exhibit. Yeah. Uh, one client we work with bought a custom 20 by 20, but they still rent the counters that encircle the uh, right. tower. And so, uh, you know, they told us again this, this year, they, they were, I thought they were going to buy it, but they said, no, we're going to rent one more year at least. And so that's just a, a decision they made kind of on a year by year basis. So that is somewhat of a customization. They, they don't have to use the same counter every year, but at this point they have, right. they're, not, they're not locked into it. So that's what I was actually going to, to add. A lot of people do a combination of a rental and a purchase. Right. Um, they might have a main tower structure and, and a main you know meeting room, whatever. And uh, they just want to rent the kiosks and the counters or the other way around. They already have their kiosks and counters, but they want to rent a main structure. So really it's across the board. People, yeah all kinds of different combinations. And that reminds me, we just did the, with, with you guys, we did this uh, 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 back wall. It's like a 10 foot high, 20 foot wide fabric uh, graphic, which they would only yeah. use really once and they didn't need to buy all the yeah. structure. They just paid for the graphic and then they shipped their, their curved counters and another couple of things that they owned to the booth and then just right. they, rented, they rented the large unit. So they got a really nice, uh, back wall really just popped right. without having to pay for the entire thing, which they would only maybe use once at all. So, yeah. And if they, they may use it once or if they do use it again, they can just rent that same hardware again and, yeah. and reuse the graphics. Right. So what are the most common uh, or popular rentals from your perspective? Do you see the stuff that comes through over and over again, or, or is it just all over the board? You can't really put your, your thumb on what is, is popular or common. Right. Well, it really is all over the board, although I will say that we do a lot of light boxes. Um, like you just mentioned, we do single and double-sided light boxes, a lot of charging stations, um, kiosks, uh, large quantity charging station orders and, and counter orders and those types of things. But really, we do an awful lot of uh, inline exhibits, a lot of 10 by 20 uh, inline exhibits and a lot of 20 by 20 islands and larger. It is across the board, but we do see a lot of um, charging stations, back or light boxes, um, a lot of counters and kiosks. But I would say now, as far as a trend, backlighting is, is a really big thing right now. So the backlighting and the charging stations, they became very popular four to five years ago, and those could be customized with a simple little vinyl graphic that gets uh, like the right. logo put on it, for instance, and they don't have to own it. Maybe next year they can get a, a different yep. shape one or something um, right. for a much lower cost. So so interesting that uh, charging tables and, and fabric backwalls, people are renting them a lot. Uh -huh. uh, are there any types of exhibits that you see that are out there that just don't make any sense to rent? The things that just you know, don't... We get we get some um, inquiries sometimes for custom exhibits that are, uh, you know, we do all kinds of customization every day, but we get some that are just so unique to that specific uh, need that it just doesn't make sense. Um, it, you're really purchasing that exhibit anyway, uh, right. cost-wise. So right. unless they just don't want to hassle with owning it, sometimes when it gets really, really 
customized to their specific needs for their specific products that they're demoing at the show or whatever. Um, we get a few of those, but for the most part, we will customize whatever people want to do. And, and a lot of times that's just a certain element of the booth. So it's really not as expensive as people may think. Yeah, and I was just reminded of an RFP that we responded to uh, in the last year or so, which was a was a fully custom booth, like a twenty by thirty, but they wanted to rent the entire thing, and I and I yeah. looked at the cost of what the rental was versus the the buying, and it was virtually the same because it was there was so much customization built in, but ultimately right. they just didn't want to own it because they didn't they weren't going to use it again, and they didn't have any place to store it, so they were willing right. to do that as much rental as they could, even though the cost of it was probably close enough to buying it that right you know we find that all the time I think people are really surprised to hear that but in our world we're seeing that every day that people really it's almost like leasing a car you either want to own a car or you want to lease a car but really there are a lot of benefits to leasing a car you, you can yeah. drive it for a year to three years five years whatever you want to lease it for and then just hand it back and start over again with something fresh yeah, and, and in some cases, uh, you know, if your tax guy knows how to do this, maybe leasing has some advantages that buying doesn't. I don't, I don't right. know. I don't, I don't get into that, but uh, I think that's uh, true too. Yeah, yeah, yeah it wouldn't surprise me. So, uh, Jim Shellman from uh, Classic Exhibits Rental Solution. It's been fun to talk with you and learn more about uh, what is going on in the rental world. I like the fact that the, there's a lot of flexibility that people are using rentals for, as well as the the hot items, the fabric graphics, and the charging stations that can be customized. So that's, that's kind of fun. Well, thank you, Tim. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate, Appreciate your time. All right. Okay. Thank you. Uh, thanks again to Jim Shellman at Classic Rental Solutions for spending some time on this week's uh, Train Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Really appreciate it. By the way, if you like what you're hearing here, uh, head on over to uh, Apple Podcast and, uh, you know, write a quick review or rate it, rank it, whatever you want to call it. Um, you can get both my books on Amazon, Trade Show Superheroes and Exhibiting Zombies, 66 Lists, Making the Most of Your Trade Show Marketing. The first one was uh, a couple years ago, Trade Show Success, 14 Proven Steps to Take Your Trade Show Marketing to the Next Level. Uh, and that's, in fact, this week's Trade Show Tip of the Week comes from my first book. Questions to ask when you're considering a booth upgrade or even a new booth. There's a lot of questions and things you should ponder uh, as you go through the process or before you even start the process. Like, what's the size of your booth for your biggest shows each year? Uh, how old is your current booth? Can you get another year or two out of it? How's the, how's it how does it look brand-wise? Uh, approximately how many times a year will that exhibit go out? Do you have another booth or exhibit for smaller shows? Uh, what's the best thing you like about your current booth? What's the worst thing? that you don't like about it. Always good to identify those things. Uh, number six, does it truly and fully represent your brand? In other words, when people see it, do they think immediately of your product or company? Uh, number seven, does it have all the functional needs that you desire? Uh, number eight, what have you added or subtracted since you first used the booth? In other words, what have you tried to improve? Uh, I've been working with clients that you, you try to improve a booth and you add things, take things away. Sometimes it really works. Other times it gets to be very cluttered. And finally you say, you know what? We're starting over. So uh, what have you added or subtracted since you first used it? But think it did that. Number nine, when do you think you will seriously consider either upgrading to a new booth or doing a major overhaul of your current booth? Is there a time frame? Is there a budget constraint? Uh, what's holding you back from doing it now? Is there a reason to wait till next year? Uh, what are the main functions of your booth? Is it product sampling, product demos, 
uh, client meetings, branding? Do you have presentations? Those types of things. Number 11, uh, what lead generation system do you use? Electronic or paper or something that's a hybrid? Number 12, do you have some sort of electronic interactivity in your booth, like with a tablet, an iPad, uh, Surface? Are there games to play? Are there other sorts of activities that people can engage in? Number 13, how well do your graphics convey your message? I got a, actually a whole chapter in here about graphics uh, and how, to, how the hierarchy of graphics works. So do your graphics work? Uh, number 14, who designs your trade show graphics? Number 15, are you satisfied with those trade show graphics and the design? Number uh, 16, if not satisfied, how can they be improved? Uh, so lots of things to think about right there. Uh, this week's one good thing, it's kind of an odd good thing, frankly, um, <laughs> and, and good may not be the right word. It's We ran across a documentary, uh, my wife and I did recently watched it on Showtime, called The Trade. It's about the heroin industry, how it's grown, how it's smuggled into the U.S., and how devastating it is to families. Uh, told in a very straightforward manner, uh, various uh, people being followed around parts of Mexico, Atlanta, Columbus, Ohio, and others, no punches pulled, but it wasn't big and dramatic. It was just telling a story, very little uh, voiceover, uh, difficult to watch, I think, but incredible storytelling. And if you don't have any family members that are in that world, unfortunately, it really is an eye-opener. Uh, it was about, what, a half dozen one-hour episodes I think we watched over a week. Like I said, very difficult to watch, but something that I think we should all be aware of. It's there, and, and, and the numbers of people being affected by it and overdosing on heroin are incredible. This tells the story in a very straightforward and uh, very impactful way. It's called The Trade. It's on Showtime. So on that note, I uh, wish you well this week and catch you in a week on Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Mm-hmm.